0: It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3. Michiana's News Channel, your breaking news and weather station. With financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory.
1: Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're so glad to have you with us. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group here on Newstalk 95.3, Michigan's News Channel, the show that helps you take your next wise step in your financial life every single week, folks. My name is Mike Bernard. I'm your host and one of the advisors on the show, along with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory.
2: You've heard us refer to the six unique disciplines of financial planning from time to time on the Wise Money Show, and... Today, we'll be helping you unpack the first of those disciplines, which is your present financial position. Anything from debt reduction to emergency funds and car purchases, we'll be hitting it in today's show.
1: We're breaking it down today. This is your show, folks. If you have a question, comment, or want to heckle us, go to wisemoneyradio.com or give us a call 574-222-2000. Better yet, if you want to heckle someone, go to Casey Hendrickson's site. If you have nice things to say, go to wisemoneyradio.com. Uh, check us out on Facebook. Join the conversation at Wise Money Radio. And there's blog posts. There's question of the week. There's all sorts of stuff that goes on there. So like the page and join the conversation. All right. As Josh mentioned, we're doing a deep dive here into present financial position and what's all involved in that area of your financial life. In the process, we're going to be hitting several questions. We're starting with a question from Erica today. She's 27. Here's what she asked is there a specific order I should go about paying off my student loans? I have about 15000 total in loans, and I'm getting aggressive and paying extra each month. Should I pay a little extra on all of them, or should I put all my extra resources on just one and do it in a certain order? That's a great question, Erica.
3: That is a great question, Erica. And so as we get into the answer to this, where you would want to start is your present financial position as we've said already that's the first area in the six areas of financial planning so when you go and work with a certified financial planning a certified financial planner they're going to deal with these six areas so the first area is your present financial position the next area is protection planning The third area is tax planning, not tax preparation. The fourth area is investment planning. The fifth area is retirement planning and with a few other things tucked in there. And the sixth area is estate planning. So really to address this, we would start in the area of present financial position.
2: Well, and I think the specific question was what what approach do you take when you're trying to start tackling these these student loans? And I would maybe even broaden that question um, to to include not just the student loans, but any of the uh, consumer debt that you might have. If you came out of school and you have credit card debt or maybe you've gotten a car loan since then, I would work those into the equation as well and not just single out the student loans. Although I, I love the idea of you getting aggressive after those student loans. We don't want those things lingering for an entire decade or more as as some of your peers may be choosing to do. So the the approach that we uh, often coach people to to take is to use a debt snowball. Mm-hmm. And if you consider your credit cards and and student loans and car loans all together, you want to start tackling the smallest balance first. And the the specifics on or the mechanics on this would be you want to make minimum payments on every single debt except for one, and the one that you're going to single out is the smallest balance, and uh, what you're going to do is pour extra fuel on that fire, get this thing melted much more quickly. And you do that by, you know, scraping together whatever dollars can fit in your monthly budget to go towards goal achievement. You want to pour all of that onto the smallest debt because it's going to get you the fastest victory along the way. Yep. And once you've achieved that victory and you've taken some time to celebrate one debt gone, now you take that cash flow, it just it just got freed up. Now you're going to pour it onto the next smallest balance and you're going to work your way up the food chain so to speak, eventually tackling
1: uh these debts with more and more firepower as you wipe out other balances. So there certainly is a schedule, there certainly is a priority, and doing the math, like the geek that I am, that can reveal the strategy Josh was talking about that you're paying your debt off much faster than if you're just sprinkling a little extra payment, an extra five on each of the loan or or each of the loans that you have. So yeah, that's, that's great advice. We're actually going to use that question, that specific instance, and we've got a few other specific questions, but let's, let's take it up a notch and talk big picture about your present financial position and what all that entails. Kevin mentioned this question kind of falls right into that area. But if you're confused by what that means, present financial position, what, what do we mean by that? Josh, help us define that.
2: Well, to me, it's, it's you know, just knowing where you stand financially at any given time, specifically right now, where are you financially? And, um, you know, especially in relationship to your goals. Every so often, I think it's important for people to take inventory or to do some careful analysis of what resources do you have at your disposal And then how are you going to direct those towards the most important things in your life? And you know, the metaphor I would use to describe this first area of financial planning would be, um, referring to it as kind of a measure of your financial fitness. Mm. And that's different than, uh, just financial health because you and I, if you, if you consider your physical fitness, Kevin, you've been looking pretty fabulous these days. Uh, the, the pounds are melting, getting stronger and all that. Um, yeah, it, you're basking in your own glory yeah, here, specimen, aren't you? Man, what say that again. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you and I, we could go to our doctor. They could take measurements of our height and our weight. They might draw blood and uh, check our blood pressure and things like that. And what they're measuring is just our general health, right? But your physical fitness is something totally different. It has to do with things like how strong are you? What uh, What's your speed or your endurance level? Um, how flexible or agile are you? To me, I look at that and I think, what are what's your body capable of doing? Right? Mm-hmm. Are you capable of running a mile or doing, you know, forty push-ups? Um, what what is your what's your body capable of doing? And in the same way, the the parallel in our financial life is, if we look at your financial fitness, what are you capable of doing? What kind of goals are you uh, able to accomplish? Um, you know, where are you able to go? Uh, financially, because of the the foundation that you've put in place, that's all focusing on the here and now, your present financial
1: position. Usually, the deliverables or the two kind of tangible documents that you might look at to measure your present financial position are net worth statement or balance sheet. If you were a business, um, a balance sheet, but you'd have that for your personal life, and then a cash flow statement, which sometimes sounds like that four letter word budget. Um, but so it's it's a net worth. So where do you stand with assets and liabilities, and then a cash flow statement? How much is coming in? Where is that money going? All right. So hopefully you followed that. Well, go ahead, Kevin. Yeah, six letters. So um, <laughs> <and> I, <laughs> my bad. <laughs> no, <that's laughs> I'm a numbers guy. I really a <laughs> spelling expert. English major. No, uh, go ahead, Mike. But okay, so but let's take that out of the theoretical and into the practical here. Yeah. What specific issues are dealt with or what questions can someone expect to be addressed within their present financial position? Let's just hit all of them. Crickets. There aren't none, apparently. <laughs> yeah. oh. No, and one thing that I, a point that I did want
3: to make is that for some people, putting together a budget... Which, depending on how you're wired, that could be a four-letter or six-letter word. Um, and putting together a net worth statement, those can be really uh, overwhelming things to do. Some people, it's it's very natural. Some people uh, do it uh, because it just they're they're either a numbers person or it makes sense to them and some folks have never been taught or trained on how to do that. And so it is a skill. It's a skill that you want to develop. So if you don't have that skill right now and it seems overwhelming, don't be overwhelmed. It is a skill that can be developed.
1: Well, that's one thing that I would start taking this to the practical level is within your financial position. You're going to you're going to build that budget. You're yeah. going to know what your um, allowances to spend at the grocery store and still be able to fund all your goals and all that. So you're going to build and track that budget. That's one tangible takeaway. That's
2: the one that my mind goes to first and foremost as well. I've actually seen this in my own uh, family recently. My nephew is now old enough to be working. He's earning a paycheck. And so now they're dealing with this question of, well, how do you make your decisions on what to do with this money? And, you know, he, all of us have had to wrestle through every dollar that comes into our household, it can go towards giving, it can go towards investing, it can go towards debt reduction, or it can go towards spending, consumption. That's right. And you get to decide, well, what's the ratio between all of those? Yep. Yep. Taxes is the most nasty form of spending, though. It's well, Consumption, if you will.
1: So okay. it, despite that awkward pause, folks, there's actually a long list of practical takeaways or issues that are addressed in your present financial position. We're just scratching the surface on that list. We've got much more to hit here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel.
0: This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, your breaking news and weather station.
1: Good morning, folks. We're so glad to have you with us today. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group right here on 95.3 MNC. My name's Mike Bernard. I've got Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory with me in the MNC studios. Special thanks to the attorneys at Leduc Kern & Keene and First State Bank for sponsoring the content of today's program Today, we've answered a question already about what order you should pay your debt in, and we're kind of saying that's right squarely in your present financial position, so we're breaking that apart, defining what that is, and so on. If you have a question or a comment, go to wisemoneyradio.com, or you can give us a call, 574-222-2000. All right. So Erica asked the question, should there be a specific order that you pay your debt off? And then we addressed that specific question by saying, yeah, there should be a debt repayment strategy, AKA a debt snowball uh, that you follow there. But we said that area or that question is answered specifically within your present financial position. That's the first of six areas. Now all six areas are interconnected. So you can't really just talk about one in isolation. However, That question fits mostly within present financial position. What other questions, what other financial issues are hit mostly within your present financial position?
2: Well, to expand on Erica's question, she said, how do I get out of debt the right way? Right, And I would propose that Erica then also build in to her financial planning the idea of how do you prevent debt in your life as well? And to me, this, again, points back to cash flow. It's how do you how do you have a game plan for saving up for major expenses that are out on the horizon? That if, if they show up, those expenses arrive in the mailbox or they present themselves on your front porch, you've got to spend some money on these things, and you don't have a game plan, if the natural reaction is going to be to go swipe a credit card or borrow some money, then th- th- this would be a candidate for something to begin planning ahead for now, and um, saving up for so that you don't have to go back in debt once you've worked so hard to get out of it. So
1: the, the, the tangible, specific items that you're talking about, I'm hearing two. And one is addressed within your present financial position is the idea of building up an emergency fund. How much should you have? Okay, that's addressed within your present financial position, and really where you should hold that. Is that in an investment, in a bank account, in a checking account? We actually have that question coming up later on in the show. The other thing is, how do you handle expenses that you know are going to come up, but they come up sporadically? They don't come up every single month like the mortgage. Uh, Say it's Christmas, or say it's vehicle registration, or Cubs tickets, or whatever. How does that sort of stuff fit within the monthly budget? That's also addressed in your present financial position. A couple others I'd add to the list, Kevin, if, if you have any chime in, or Josh, if you have more. And one is, how much house can you afford? Or how much vehicle can you afford? Understanding the yin and the yang, the the pros and cons, how those decisions, those big ticket items, play into your overall financial life. And then coupled with that, is it time to refinance? When should you refinance? That's a common question a lot of people have. That question is answered within the context of your financial plan right there smack dab in your present financial position. Yeah, by running the miles
3: and spending the time on your present financial position having a budget that works that really directs all of the rest of your financial life and it gives you clarity and confidence when folks come to work with a certified financial planner they're they're looking for clarity and confidence and when i when we we've talked about you know creating a debt snowball and doing some of these things it's it's really encouraging to see that and so if you know how to use an excel spreadsheet great if you don't if you know how to use a, just a pencil and a piece of paper, you can you can lay it out. What's that? And what I think the the, the best thing about spending time doing this is you can it's it's simple goal setting and goal achievement. Mm. And you put the pain if you put the pain before the pleasure, you'll be in great shape. That's what we, I talk with the, my kids all the time. What do you do with a job you don't like? You finish it. Yeah. And so if you've got those student loans, fifteen thousand dollars of student loans. I would set an aggressive schedule to get those paid off. I would would put down something aggressive and then crank it up a notch.
2: Yep. Mm -hmm. I like that. Uh, You know, one of the other uh, components of really measuring your uh, present financial position is just having a mechanism, a a measuring stick, if you will, for tracking progress. That's right. And, you know, this is important emotionally and, and motivationally for you, maybe you and your spouse. To, to not lose heart when goals take a long time to achieve or, um, y- you know, you, you can just get into this rhythm, this routine, and it feels like you're just on a treadmill, you're not going anywhere, uh, unless you have a way of looking backwards and seeing the
1: progress that's been made. Objectively that's looking right. backwards instead of rewriting your own history and, and so on. Yeah, you're within your present financial position, that measure is made. That's how you compare yourself to yourself Yeah, a year
2: or two or three ago instead of looking around and saying, well, how are we doing compared to the neighbors? Mm-hmm. They're on a totally different game plan than you are, and they're the wrong uh, measure of success. You need to compare yourself to where you've been. And against where you're headed. That's how you measure success.
1: Okay, so if you've ever wondered how much house you can afford or whether now's a good time to refinance or whether you're making progress in your financial life or how much to save up in an emergency fund, if you've ever wondered any of that stuff, financial planning's for you and your present financial position is where it's at. So is there a stage of life in your life cycle, whatever, if, is there a stage where your present financial position is more important than other times in your life? Uh, Personally, I feel like it's, it's going to crop up many times throughout
2: your life. Every time you come to a transition point where you're, you're changing gears, you're changing directions. And um, maybe it's at the start of your career, for example, Um, the, the issues that you're facing at that point might be different. Your goals might be different, but it's, it's, incredibly important to know exactly where you stand and have the game plan for how you're going to manage cash flow and how you're going to reach these goals it might be student loans that you're trying to tackle at that point or or becoming you know debt-free in general maybe it's about how to establish the right habits but at the beginning of your career is certainly one of those times
1: I love that. So the kind of the word picture is you're, you're on this big hike and you take a turn. Okay. You've just gotten through some rough terrain. You take a turn and you see a new mountain right in front of you. The first step is, all right, where am I? Let's check our gear. Let's take inventory here. And within your financial life, it's not it's not fun sometimes to do that. But yeah, build your budget. Where are you today? You've, you're about to switch jobs or have a kid or something like that. You're about to retire. All right. Let's recalibrate. Where am I? Let's take a look at the budget. Let's take a look at the balance sheet and see where you're at. I think it does crop up throughout your life, specifically when you're first starting though. And when you're transitioning into retirement, those seem like two really big times when it's important. And I would say the most important time to
3: do this is if you are doing an honest assessment of your financial life and you do not have financial peace, you are disturbed. The, the, the beauty and the benefit of having a budget that you've been maintaining and a net worth statement that you've been maintaining, you can identify trends and you can kind of see what's going on because really you want to assess the problem. Do I have an income problem or do I have an expense problem? Because how you would deal with either one of those problems is different. Mm-hmm. And so it, the the this can really be instructive and tell you this is what you need to do. This is what the problem is. So go deal with it.
1: All right, I want to I want to tuck this additional question in there as well. So we said all six areas of your financial life are interconnected. You can't separate one from the other. We're talking about present financial position. Is there another area of your financial life that's most commonly linked to present financial position?
3: Well, certainly goal achievement. So when you think about what are my goals, if I want the most folks have a goal of educating their kids or retiring. Mm-hmm. And so you might be listening right now and saying, hey, I don't have kids or the kids have left the house long ago. So you say, well, what, is, what are your financial goals? Is, is it to get rid of debt and become debt free? Is it to be positioning yourself to be financially independent? So certainly the longer term goals are are really tied into your present financial position. And you want to make that connection between what I'm doing today and what its impact is on me 20, 30, 40 Fifty years from now. So, with, uh, for instance, with my kids, over Christmas break, we looked at what is the effect of a hundred dollars today invested for the next fifty years, because that's their time frame. The fifteen-year-old child today has fifty years to work before retirement, and what happens with that hundred dollars if I invest it versus if I uh, put it into my Xbox.
1: So, planning for a big goal. something really cool like an Xbox, your present financial (laughs) position plays a role, but specifically retirement or college planning. Absolutely, I'd agree with that. We've got more to unpack as well as more questions about where should you keep that emergency fund as well as is there a better credit card out there than others? We're going to tackle all that here and more on Wise Money with Forehorn Financial Group, 953MNC.
0: This is Wise Money with Corehorn Financial Group on NewsTalk 953, Michiana's News Channel, your breaking news and weather station.
1: Good morning, folks. Thanks for joining us today. This is Wise Money with Corehorn Financial Group on NewsTalk 953, Michiana's News Channel. My name is Mike. I've got Kevin and Josh with me in the MNC studio. Thanks for being with us. And thank you to Bethel College Adult and Graduate Studies, as well as Diane Bennett and her team of realtors over on the Inspired Team at RE/MAX 100. For partnering with us on the Wise Money Show, we're talking about your present financial position and what in the world that means, and addressing questions pertaining to your present financial position. We've got a couple more to hit here coming up. If you have any questions, go to wisemoneyradio.com, give us a call 574-222-2000 or join the conversation on Facebook at Wise Money Radio. All right, we left off saying, okay, all six areas of your financial life are interconnected. Present financial position is your first one. Is there another area or another couple areas that are easily linked within your financial life?
2: The one that I tend to link in my mind is protection planning or risk management. And that's mostly because as your life gets more complicated, as you experience more financial success, there's more to protect. And your your strategy there needs to change. I, I think back to when I was an intern in a financial planning shop here in town, and uh, someone shared one of the best analogies I've, I've ever heard about how financial planning, many people think of it as you're you're pushing this big boulder up a hill. And the further up you go, the more financial success you're experiencing, you're making progress in the right direction. And most people think of financial planning as a way to push the ball or the, the boulder up the hill faster, mm. have creative strategies to make better progress, that sort of thing. But actually, in many ways, financial planning is, is about periodically on your way up the hill, putting in certain stoppers so that if you lose your grip, as you lose your footing, um, the, the ball or the, the uh, boulder doesn't come crashing all the way back down to the bottom of the hill where you started. It's, it's putting protections in place that you don't lose progress as you're making it. So if your present financial position that we've been talking about is all about measuring that progress and making sure that you are constantly pointed in the right direction, Protection
1: planning is married with that to make sure you don't lose ground. I love it. You know, periodically on the show, I just, Josh gets going, he's talking, and I just kind of lose myself. That is wise advice, Josh. Very good. Why haven't I heard that from you before? I don't know. Keeping secrets. No, it's really good. I was also going to say tax planning, and I'll just keep this quick, but most tax opportunities require resources. So if it makes sense to fund that HSA, well, you need some cash flow to to be able to fund that. If it makes sense to do a Roth IRA, you need some cash flow for that. And a lot of times we come up with great tax ideas that people don't have enough resources to go fund. And, and that, those, that cash flow comes right back to your present financial position. All right, lastly here, before we, we turn to additional kind of present financial position questions, what about recent trends in the area of present financial position? What, what are some of the recent trends people are dealing with in this area and are those good? Are those bad? Are making it more difficult or easier? What do you guys think?
2: Well, I think in some ways, um, maybe technology has made things easier to track in your financial life. I'm I'm thinking of different software programs or online tools, things like Mint.com, that can help you just know where do you stand financially at any given time. It's it's in many ways uh, a much more automated process. Even even technology at the bank. I mean. Uh, you can set up automatic savings plans or automatic payments on your debt so that once you make a decision in your financial life, it's just carried out easier for you because it is more automated. The problem is what they can't automate is the planning aspect, Mm -hmm. right? The setting the vision and setting the goals, um, that sort of thing. That just takes good old fashioned hard work and, and planning and um you know you have to do the hard work to build the budget and decide what you can afford to to spend. You need to set those
1: goals it 's not going to get done for you using cool technology yeah that 's good. One trend that i t- well to me touches on a lot of different things and that 's really, really low interest rates mm-hmm. so we 've been in this trend for a few years now, but what does that meant? Well, the positive is a lot of people have moved from thirty year mortgages to fifteen year mortgages, so you get that payment that debt paid off faster, I love that idea, if it can fit within your overall financial life. For others, it's meant making a uh, home purchase a little bit easier because rates are low. I like that. One of the negatives though, is it's been a a disincentive to building dollars up in your savings account. And I've heard a lot of people say, well, (laughs) I'm not going to make any money, so I'm not going to put this money in an emergency fund. No, no, that discipline, that is still very, very important. And the other thing that low interest rates have done is they've really, really confused investments as well. And so, should you invest in bonds or stocks and whatever else? And very, it's very possible we could have a sort of interest rate bubble either in the markets or in bonds. And so, but that trend has uh, has certainly impacted both positive and negative in the present financial position. And just lastly, that that trend also has influenced inflation, which impacts wage growth, and other things. So that has just kind of been a pervasive trend. So any others, guys, before we transition into Dan's question here? I think we're ready for Dan. All right. All right. So Dan, 39, from New Carlisle. Again, question right in the area of present financial position. Here's what he asked. How much money should you keep in cash? And what savings account or investment account do you recommend for this money? That's a good question. And, and I first would probably distinguish between, was well, he talking cash or emergency fund? Because of some of the fears with government and debt and so on, people are keeping more cash in the safe at, 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 at their house. Now it's susceptible to robbery, and insurance only covers a certain amount of that. But so I would kind of balloon if that if you're feeling that way, I'd keep a certain amount in cash, but I wouldn't keep your entire emergency fund and dollar bills in the safe. And so I'd, I'd kind of stretch that further to emergency fund.
2: Yeah, I interpreted his uh, question to be, how much should you keep liquid in safe, uh, you know, short-term cash type uh, positions, bank accounts, that sort of thing. Um, the, the way the question's asked, though, it almost implies that there's, or I, I my mind went to one specific pool of money. Mm. And I, I would encourage you to think of this actually as, a few different pools of money, because there's several different purposes to have liquid savings, liquid cash. Um, I I think about your checking account, for example. I encourage people to actually have a buffer that's built into their checking account, maybe enough to um, cover one paycheck, let's say. And it's just purely for the purpose of streamlining your cash flow, uh, taking away the concern that all those checks you just wrote this past uh, week, and all the debit card transactions that are about to clear, if they all converge at the wrong time and overdraw an account or something like that because your paycheck just didn't land at the right time. That, that to me, trying to watch the minutia, the ins and the outs that closely, uh, it, that feels like a waste of my life. I want to make sure that there's enough cash in there to float through the ups and the downs of an
1: account and not have to worry about the the day-to-day management. So keep in a little bit of cash in the checking account, not a ton because checking accounts are designed for you to easily spend money but some float, as you're you're referring to. That's right. To me, the second purpose to have
2: liquid savings on hand is uh, the money that you're building up for future purchases or expenses. We refer to it always as delayed spending type items. Things you
1: know you're going to spend money on, it's just not time yet. And so you're accumulating, you're building. That's a separate account. Don't keep that right there in your checking account. You won't be able to sort it out. It's it's helpful to have that money segregated. That's right. And there's no magic number on that either, right? Because
2: as you're building up, depending on how close you're getting to that next car purchase or the next Christmas shopping uh, spree here... Uh, the, the money's going to build,
1: and then it's going to be drained. It's right. going to build and be drained. So let's go to the third one where you're, where you're going, because I want to address that.
2: The the emergency fund is really where most people's minds go to. Um, you know, I don't know if Dan was looking for a rule of thumb on how much to have in the rainy day fund, but to me, uh, we, we've always said a bare minimum of one month's worth of, uh, of living expenses. That's just to to you know, keep the wolves away. The real goal should be three to six months, though, worth of your living expenses. So you can not only cover the big ticket, unexpected emergencies that come up, but you also have time to bounce back if you have an interruption to your income.
1: So with interest rates being so low, Kevin, do you leave that in savings or do you invest it, that emergency fund?
3: Uh you don't want to invest it because you, you never know what the market's going to do. And this is where we've had questions on the show. What is the market going to do? Is the Trump bump real or not? What do we do? And you say, look, the the money that is purposed for short-term stuff, keep in short-term accounts. Mm-hmm. So the emergency fund, those dollars are given the purpose of bailing me out in the event of emergency. And I don't want my money that's invested for the next 20 years to uh, to be doing that for me
1: is it possible that the stock market and economy will have an emergency at the same time you will and if that's the case don't have that money invested we've got more questions here coming up especially one from jamie about good credit cards if there is such a thing coming up next on wise money coral and Financial group 95.3 mnc
0: This is Wise Money with Corehorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel, your breaking news and weather station.
1: Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran & Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Team at RE-MAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Hey, good morning, folks. Welcome back to Wise Money with Corehorn Financial Group here on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Thanks for joining us this morning. My name is Mike. I've got Kevin and Josh with me in the studio. If you've missed anything, just want to point you back to the podcast. You can subscribe to it there on iTunes and Google Play, as well as catch up on previous episodes, blog posts, and all of that at wisemoneyradio.com. All right. We've been addressing your present financial position and what in the world that means. If you missed anything, we're going to recap, recap it in just a moment. But we're addressing questions from folks pertaining to your present financial position. We just took a great one uh, from Dan about how much you should have in cash. And um, now we're going to transition one from Jamie. She's 42. Here's what Jamie asked. Is there a good credit card that you guys recommend that offers good points or rewards? What do you guys think?
2: Personally, I don't have a a big preference on this one. Um, I think there's a potential trap here. To maybe try to find a, a reward system that gives you miles or gives you you know certain perks or whatever that ultimately result in causing you to spend more money. Mm. You know, in order to use those miles, you got to take that trip, and maybe that trip wasn't planned fully, but you don't want your miles to go to waste or just sit there and be unused. You know, um, t- to me, I like a a credit card that will give benefits for something that I was already going to do anyway. Hmm. Um, You know, I I think of the Discover card. That was the first card I ever put in my wallet when we first got married. Mine too, yeah. And I've held on to it all these years. Just, I don't know, nostalgia maybe. But, you know, you can use those same uh, points or or cashback rewards I use them most of the time just on Amazon Me purchases. too. It hey, makes it easy.
1: My goodness. We you could are be a good cool guy. That's right.
2: <laughs> I ruin really that.
1: S- you're really smart, Josh. Right. I haven't well. told you that in a while. <laughs> the the <laughs> other card, though, that we use
2: um, is one that puts money into our kids' 529 plan. And it's not quite as lucrative, you know, the, the cash back reward that gets deposited into their account. It's nothing huge. I think it's only 1%. But it's at least I, I know that that's 1% pointed in the right direction towards a goal that I have anyway.
3: Yeah, I think that's a great idea. So if you're going to use a credit card, just a, a few rules of thumb, have that c- credit card connected to your checking account. Mm. And that, that balance needs to be coming out automatically. So whatever you put on your credit card, it's going to hit the bank and pull that money out. Hmm. And I've heard um, people talk about the pros and cons of that. The pro of that is that you don't pay interest on your credit cards. And, that you, and so really, your credit card acts kind of like your checking account.
1: Yeah, that's the other thing. I mean, the, the, the points, um, remember folks that they're not just doing that, offering those rewards out of the you know, goodness of their heart. They're, they're paying you those because they're collecting interest from others. So if you really want to work the system or or just if you purely want the rewards, never pay them a dime of interest or even a penny.
3: Yeah. it's <laughs> it, it really doesn't benefit you. So, so Jamie, connect your credit card to your checking account so there's never going to be a time where you're going to overspend. Or it, be late and or mess late. up your credit. So overspending and late is not an option. And... You should know, Jamie, that people, there's a statistic out there uh, somewhere. I think people spend 20% more. They, you spend more if you're using a credit card than if you're using cash. So I would encourage you to use cash. But if you're using a credit card, uh, Joshua mentioned that. I, I would just tell you um, there are a couple of credit cards that I personally like. There's a Fidelity 529 plan, and I'm not sure which one Joshua has, but mine puts 2%. In my kids 529 plan nice so that that and i would try to shoot for that if you can find it shoot for two percent and i would shoot for cash so i don't have to jump through these uh silly hoops that and so so if you're if you're looking for a benchmark i look for two percent cash and the one of the things that i like as a as we are business owners so we have the spark card yeah. and that gives you 2% cash back. But there are some other capital one cards yeah. that will give you uh, one or one and a half percent cash back. And I found that the cash back is far superior to using points for either a hotel or car rental or something like that. We need to get some advertising dollars
2: out of these uh, credit card companies here. That's my right. goodness. Yeah. They're getting a lot of free publicity out of oh, us. Oh, you didn't gear
3: check? <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. Hey, uh, next question is from Deb from Granger. We've kind of already touched on this in the show, so it, it's great to have this question. How do you know if you're making progress in your financial life? I just feel like my husband and I have plateaued with our finances, and moving forward, it's pretty frustrating. What should we look for and what should we do? I, I couldn't remember if we've
2: heard this question before on the show or, you know, do you maybe want me it's to new it again? people who are, who are coming in. And I, I feel like a lot of Americans over the past few years have felt that plateau in their financial life. And I, personally, I attribute it, you know, much of it anyway, to the fact that a lot of people... Uh, judge whether or not they're making progress in their financial life based on whether or not their paycheck is getting bigger as time goes on. Mm. Are they getting some separation between their income and their expenses? Is cash flow getting easier? In other words, it's more real time type of type of feeling. And you know uh, the the statistics, all the research is showing that you know many people are making a little bit more money today than they were a few years ago.
1: Uh, but expenses are up as well, so it might not feel like progress. See, I thought you were going to say that they they correlate it to how their investments are moving. And even though we got a bump here at the end of last year, the previous 18 months, or you could even say two years, it was just kind of flat. And I got this question a lot uh, about being plateaued, but it's interesting. I, I bet you're right. I bet maybe a combination of the two of those. Well, and it's one of
2: the reasons why I think it's important for people to um, have a, a regular um, review of, of where they stand financially by looking at kind of a snapshot on an ongoing basis of their own personal balance sheet.
1: Yeah, so this is the, dev, what should you do? What should you look for? We addressed it earlier. It's it's updating your balance sheet or your net worth statement on a regular basis and storing that history to compare it against yourself.
2: Well, and here's what that does. If If you total up a, a list of all the assets that you own, and subtract out the liabilities that you owe to other people, you're going to get a bottom line net worth number. And if you track that over time, you're going to watch. Hopefully, your assets are growing, and your debts are shrinking as time goes on, and your net worth is getting better on paper. You know, as you pay down those debt balances, though, it might not feel any different. Uh, three, three months in, six months in, nine months in. Uh, but the debt balance is shrinking. You're gonna notice it, obviously, when it's gone. But what's happening
1: in your overall financial life is your net worth is getting better. You know, this is one of the favorite, my favorite things that we do for clients at Coherent Financial Group. If I can, I'm not gonna plug, but it's just I've just seen the power in that because a lot of times in your financial life, Kevin, you've said this analogy. It's like being on a cruise ship. You can't really tell you're moving all the time. Until you walk to the back of the boat and say, oh my goodness, I, we don't even see land anymore. Well, if you don't have that land reference, you might not know. And so plugging in, that's one of my favorite things that we do for clients is building that net worth statement and that tracking history. It makes it fun to be working with clients over a lot of
2: years also, yeah. because you, you do have that perspective. You can see the, the, uh, the distance that they've covered and uh, it's fun to, to celebrate those victories along the way. A lot
1: of high fives. All yep. right, let's 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 recap. So these questions have all been about present financial position. We've explained what that is. Let's take just a moment and re-explain what present financial position is and then just kind of recap or, or provide a, a, a next step.
3: Well, you're, so your present financial position, you're assembling a budget or updating your budget and looking at a net worth statement. So that's what I own minus what I owe, and that gives me my net worth. And As just uh, in reference to this last question, the reason why I want to do that is because I can start to identify trends and I can be objective about my financial life. When I start to get emotional, I start making bad decisions. So I can know, uh, matter of factly, how am I doing? And then I can also see what resources I have to apply towards my goals.
2: And Go ahead. Well, in order to know what your next great step is in your financial life, you have to have a clear vision of where you're going in your life. Short-term decisions that you aren't that aren't pointed towards a long-term destination for you are really just detours that you're taking. You're wasting time. That's why
1: it's important to pay attention always, not only to where you are, but where you're headed. So for some of you, the first next step is to seek out the objective counsel of a certified financial planner to help you build these. For others, it's to update it. And we'd be happy to help with either one of them. So thanks for listening today, folks. Uh, on behalf of Josh Gregory, Kevin Corhorn, and myself and the rest of us at Corhorn Financial Group, hey guys, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, Stock 95.3, Shannons News Channel.